0: Welcome to Unscripted, your weekly podcast featuring Kirby Hasselman and Bill Petrie, where they talk about all things promotional, marketing, and branding. As always, it's brought to you by Promo Corners Identity Marketing, the interactive tool for promotional products professionals. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. Welcome to this week's episode of Unscripted. I am still your co-host Bill Petrie and with me as always is my good pal, good time player man, good time all around human being Kirby Hossaman. Kirby, I have to ask, how the hell are you?
1: Man, I'm fantastic, especially after that intro, man. And good time, all around person. I'll take that. That's, that's yeah. pretty good. Thanks, man. How you doing? It's a technical
0: term. It's a technical term. I'm doing okay. I'm doing good. Uh, pretty excited about uh, you know, gosh, it's the end of the year. December's here, yeah. and uh, ready to finish the year. Uh, finish the year strong.
1: Yeah, that's I, I. am too, and I'm excited and getting ready for planning. And you know, it's, a, it's an interesting time of year for me. So and I actually have a topic about that later. So uh oh, yeah, right. All
0: right. Well, you ready to jump into it?
1: Let's do it, man. Uh,
0: Before I jump into it, I want to thank you, as always, for having the courage to do this podcast. But I also want to thank the good people at Bay State for having the courage to make the best damned ice scraper around. (laughs) I don't know if people realize that. It's not an easy thing to do, and it it takes an incredible amount of courage to say, hey, not only are we going to sell ice scrapers, but we're going to imprint them with a brand, a logo, and they're going to be the best damned ice scrapers you're ever going to scrape ice with. Do you realize how difficult that is, Kirby? It,
1: it is very difficult, and I, I love that you've taken the stance on this.
0: I, it, it really is a stance. Um, I've got several placards in my house, uh, <laughs> said I'll be, uh, I don't want to say picketing later, because that's kind of a negative thing, but I'm going to be extolling the greatness of the Bay State ice scrapers, and if you'd like to join me, I, I really encourage you to visit BayState.com and check out their entire selection of outstanding ice scrapers.
1: Absolutely. It's the right time of year. Cool. It Good really deal. is.
0: Do you have a topic, Kirby, you want me to fire off first?
1: Uh, I'll go ahead first. Um, so, yeah, fire actually, let's, let's just make the segue go well into, you know, this is an interesting time of the year, I think. Um, and uh, I, I, I enjoy this time of year in the sense that Um, for me, it's like you said, we're trying to, you know, push my team, push my group to finish the year strong, to hit, you know, goals that we've set at the beginning of this year. Um, but it's also a time that I try to be kind of introspective and think through next year. Um, kind of that goal time of year, whether it's to achieve them, whether it's to set them. And so I, I guess my question to you is, A, are you kind of a goal guy? And then, um, secondarily, I guess, Are you a big, you know, think outside of the box, go crazy kind of goal guy, or are you more of a realistic goal guy?
0: Um, My goal is to get through this podcast (laughs) because last night I attended the Promotional Products Association of the Mid South Holiday Party. And uh, I enjoyed myself. So that's my goal for today, Kirby, is to get through this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Now, to answer your question, I I do set goals. You know, everybody does it differently. Um, I do have goals, Um, I do write them down. I don't post them so they're staring me in the face. That's just not how I do it. Yep. Um, but I do review them weekly. Okay. So I, I set—I um, don't set daily goals, but I do set weekly goals. And I'm a big deadline person, so so that plays into my goal setting. Okay. So um, on a project, whether whether I'm given a deadline or not, I make a deadline because okay. I am so uh, time sensitive. It works for me. And the same thing is with goals. So by X, I want to accomplish Y. Yeah. Um, So, I do set goals. I I don't, I, you know, I know, I think you're much more uh, robust in that department than I am in terms of goal setting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you, I think if I remember right, you have them displayed and you review them daily, if not more regular than that. Um, But I do set goals, but I also recognize that life is fluid and it has to be. Uh, They have to adjust over time. So, what my goal, what I thought my goal might be for, the end of the year, in February, it might have changed in September, and it might have changed last week. So sure. I do set goals, um, but they're fluid. I don't set giant pie-in-the-sky goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very much, and to answer your second part of your question, I, I'm not an optimist. I'm not a pessimist, but I do feel like I'm a realist. right. Um and you know, and i I'll, even in my personal life. So like when Sandy, when my wife was going through everything and there was that forty-eight hour period where uh after her her she had heart failure and she was put into a medically induced coma, they give you a complete range of, Hey, have you had uh have you guys had discussions about a living will? Mm-hmm. Which is like the worst case scenario. And then they're also like, Hey, she could come out of this and can be completely miraculous, and there's everything in between. And so I had my head my head was very firmly in the – it's going to be somewhere in the middle because that's just reality. That's what I thought the reality was. Now, it turned out she was very much on the miracle spectrum, which is fantastic. But that's how I approach everything. I'm very much a realist.
1: Yeah. No, I I kind of expected you to say that just cuz you and I've known each other for a while and so. Right. Yeah, that, that, that I think that makes sense and it's consistent with who you are. So, you know, I I think that that's a lot of times that's what goals are all about, right? Is knowing yep. yourself and being introspective enough to set goals that make sense and motivate and don't demotivate <laughs> you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, tell when you write your goals. How often do you write them, review them, adjust them? I mean, how do you approach it?
1: Um, yeah, so it's interesting. I, I this is the time of year that I'm doing that, and I do it differently each um, year per se. Um, I do so. I'm literally looking at them right now. I print them off and I put them on my mm-hmm. desk. Um, a couple different thoughts. Like I've actually said, I'm not a giant believer in smart goals. You know, you hear about that um, specific, measurable,
0: attainable, you know. That's bu- that's that's marketing horseshit buzzwords. Yeah. That no, right. make no sense. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, again, I actually think if you've never set goals and if you are, you know, you need a place to start, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I That's fine. But the idea of an attainable goal and a measurable goal, I get it. I do. I understand it. But I subscribe to the idea that they don't need to be either of those. And Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. So like for example, on my 2016 goals, number one, the first goal on there is to improve as a father and a husband. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's either measurable or attainable. But what I've found in my life is that if I look at that every day, I tend to act more consistently with being a better father and a better husband. And so being reminded that on a daily basis is helpful.
0: So, no, and I get that because like, like if, you know, I wear a bracelet every day that says "paid forward" right. for the same reason. It just reminds me, hey, don't be an asshole today. <laughs> uh, well, but it's true. I mean, yeah, look, sure. I, I can be a type A complete jerk. Yeah, uh, I don't want to be, yeah. but I can, and right. you know, so I get, I get that. I get that.
1: And then I'm also I, I'm a big I, I like. A little bit of both probably, Um, but you got to know your personality. I like big goals that really, really stretch me with the idea that I might not reach them, but I'm also comfortable with my personality. I know that if I don't reach them, I'm one of those guys that says, look, I want to sell or I want to do a thousand things, right? Hmm. And then understanding that I might only get to 900 and that's not a failure because if I had to set a goal for 500. You know what I mean? Like I, I get I, it. So let, let
0: me let me I, ask you this, mm-hmm. just because this is a little off. Well, yeah. it's no, no script anyway, but yeah. it's a little off script. So a lot of times you'll hear people say, "Hey, if you don't don't set goals, you're basically going to be a failure as a human being, a failure in business." Do you subscribe to that?
1: Mm. I think that if you you aren't intentional, you know, if you don't intentionally create your life, your life happens to you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that you're going to be a failure, but I don't you know so to a degree, I think that you get to the end of your year, the end of your quarter, the end of your life, and you go, huh, I ended up here and maybe I'm happy with that, but I didn't do it on purpose. So um yeah, I, I think if if you don't know where you're going any any road will get you there. So I am a big believer that your life, if you want to lead it purposefully, intentionally, that you should, Set goals and write them down. And um, the other thing, and part of what got me thinking about this bill is, I, last year I set, you know, on my goals was to run two half marathons. I, I radically failed right. in that goal. Um, but this year um, I, I'm setting a goal to run a half marathon, but I've actually already uh, essentially booked it. And so all of a sudden I'm super excited about that goal because it's like, okay, now it's tangible. And so and I can literally visualize it. And so yeah, for me, that's that that helps.
0: Yeah, and see to me you hit the, the right word. It's being intentional. Yeah. Um so to me, if and, and again, we can sit here and parse words all day long, sure. and, and which is fun to do from <laughs> time to time. But to me, you don't have a goal of setting a marathon or running a half marathon. That's not a goal. Now you have a deadline. Mm, Now you're being intentional about it. So I think to me, it's not so much of a goal. It's like, shit, I got to do this now because I signed up for it. It, It's (laughs) one of those things Like um, I, I, you know, we both do some speaking in the industry. Um, I know that uh, I probably, unless I know the exact date and it's lurking up on me, I'm not going to prepare that talk until I know the date, Yeah. right? So it's the same same type of thing, but very, very interesting uh, perspective.
1: Yeah, I'd be curious to, this is one of those aud- audience participation, I'd be really curious to hear what other people think on the goal piece, but uh, yep. other than that, I think we've, we've nailed it, brother.
0: I think so. Okay, so recently, the... Um, uh, there was an overtime rule that was about to go in effect from uh, the Obama administration, essentially raising the minimum salary level for people to qualify for overtime. Are you familiar with this?
1: Vaguely, yes, yes, yes. Okay,
0: so essentially, the uh, for for if you have someone on salary on your staff and they make they were they made less than forty seven thousand five hundred dollars, that's roughly the number. Okay. And they worked more than forty hours a week. You legally had to pay them overtime
1: mm-hmm.
0: if they had made under that. So yes. you're talking people who are making twenty five, thirty thousand dollars a year, and they're on salary, and now they're eligible for overtime. So, uh, but that was struck down because was supposed to actually go into effect on Thursday, which is December first. Mm, okay. um, it was struck, or it was uh, put on pause by the district court, uh, in, a district court in Texas. Of course, it's in Texas. Texas. <laughs> There's all manner of practicality in Texas. Yeah. Um, And I just wondered if that was something you were aware of as a small business owner. Yeah. And I know you have employees who are on salary. Yep. Um, I don't know what they're paid, Um, but I assume they also generally work probably more than 40 hours a week, just because that's that's just our culture as a society. Yeah.
1: Yeah so you know it's interesting um i have paid attention to that it's it, it's intriguing to me i think a lot of times many laws like that you end up with the law of unintended consequences sure. um and so you know in we we actually have had the discussion in my office about moving people who were salary to hourly because there's no um advantage for the small business owner to put anyone on salary at this point <laughs> there's, you no. know, there's just like it, there's not an upside for me as a business owner now i the one thing i would say is i think each each culture each organization is different um we've got a a good group internally and quite frankly most of the time i would say that if they were standing here they'd tell you most of the time they do not work more than 40 hours a week it's a mm. it's a uh a, it's the exception to the rule, um, but when they do, we try to be, you know, uh, flex time them and different things like that. Um, but you know what? I'm sure that there were, there are places where people are being taken advantage of. So it, you know, it's this is one where I just feel like the law of unintended consequences is that the advantages that employees employees gained by being on salary, many of them are going to lose because uh, small businesses are going to change the way they structure that.
0: Absolutely, they're going to, and you know, you have to be very careful with that. I think you know, all of us would agree, uh, have some level of protection for the workers. You have to have, but you also have to have protection for the business owners. Yeah. And what what, and what end up happening is that, um, you know, people cut back hours, yeah, and in and, and so workers will end up making less, um, even though that's not the intention. The intention is to protect workers. So yeah. I just want to get your take on that as a small business owner because I know. Um, that a lot of companies our industry were kind of white knuckling that yeah. what are we gonna do do we raise people's salaries and doing all sorts of spreadsheets and what makes sense and and, and all that and it's it's it was such a dramatic race I mean it was from like I said about twenty two thousand uh, dollars more than double
1: yeah
0: I mean the threshold just was insane
1: yeah
0: uh, or, or you know an insane jump but I'm sure there's gonna be some sort of uh, Uh, compromise
1: yeah but that's that's an interesting one And, and one that yeah it's when I heard about it I was like wow okay well this this makes I'm not sure they're going to accomplish what they hope to
0: no, usually <laughs> when, when the, the government gets involved, <laughs> usually don't. You know what? What is the scariest phrase you can hear? I'm from the government and, and I'm, I'm here, here to, help. to help. Yeah. So yeah. So what? Uh, what topic do you have, Kirby?
1: Okay, here's one a little outside of the box. We've talked um, on separate occasions on this podcast about people whose content, whose voices, whose um, people who we listen to within the industry, um, who create great content. Um, so I wanted to flip this and say, who are some voices that you listen to in business outside of the industry? People that are, whether they're content creators, although most people that are, um, whether they're, you know, heck, I don't know, celebrities, whether whatever. What are some voices in business outside of our industry that you find influential in your life? And if you want to chew on it, I'll give you a couple of mine.
0: No, I'll go ahead and okay. fire away. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk, obviously, is yep. probably no shock <clears throat> to anyone who listens to this or knows me. I, I really, uh, you know, Seth Godin. So those are the two that, okay, no shit, Sherlock, of course you. <laughs> no,
1: but they're, but that's oh. legit because there's, yeah. there are some people who don't know who they are.
0: Yeah, so I do listen to them. I find they're, both their perspectives very, uh, very helpful uh, to me. One person I really do listen to quite a bit is uh, Jay Baer, and he wrote a book mm, yeah. called Hug Your Haters. Yeah, good book. And I, I've I've probably read that now three times. Mm, okay. I love that, and I love the philosophy in the book about how important it is not only to just listen to your critics, but almost seek them out. Yeah. Um, and, and that's something I've really taken to heart. I think I've shared with you um, – both privately and I think even on, on, this, on this little uh, fun podcast, <clears throat> my biggest challenge is that too many people tell me what I do is great. <laughs> um, and I know not everything I do is great. Some of it's mediocre. Some of it's shit. Some of it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it might even be great. I don't, I don't know. Um, so it's it, it, one of my biggest challenges doing what I do is finding people and giving them permission. To yeah. criticize me and say, hey, I need you to tell me if, if something's not good. And, and you're one of those people. You'll tell me if something, if I've missed the mark. And then I have a, a friend of mine uh, who's, who's kind of in the industry and kind of outside the industry. And he's a he's a millennial. And, man, he lets it fly. <laughs> and he will, if he doesn't like something, he'll say that's redundant, repetitive. And he'll just light me on fire. <laughs> But by the same token, when he sees something he likes and compliments it, it means a hell of a lot more to me because I know he's coming from a place of genuine. So I love Jay Baer and that whole hug your haters perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, I always will listen to just about anything Jack Welch does, uh, former CEO of GE. I find his... um, Perspectives on management to be absolutely fascinating and I have a bizarre infatuation with Richard Branson. I, I, uh, I, that, that's, that's a guy I would do just about anything to work for and Mm -hmm. work with. Dang. I think you could learn so much by working alongside that guy. You know, he's almost like Steve Jobs, but with a, with humanity. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think it's generally recognized that while Steve Jobs was, was certainly a marketing genius, probably not the nicest dude in the world. Right. So I really, I, Richard Branson, I, I find endlessly fascinating because that guy has failed so many times. Mm-hmm. But he's still such a success, you know. Yeah. So I, I, those, those are the ones that come top of mind. What about you? You've obviously given this a little bit of thought. Yeah, I tell you what, I love this though.
1: This is this is fun for me because like Richard Branson was not one I thought of. But you'll find this uh, interesting. Um, when you said it, I was, I was uh, actually listening. I was on a long road trip and I was listening to The Virgin Way, um, his book. Mm-hmm. And it was at the end of that book where I decided to officially do the microbrewery. Like he, he had a like some kind of message in there that talked about, you know, that idea that you've been thinking about for all, you know, for a long time and not doing, you need to do it. And I remember like literally I was pulling in my driveway and I was like, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm doing it. So, um, so that, that is a good one. Um, Seth Godin, we talk about a lot. Um, it's interesting. Gary Vaynerchuk's on my list. Um, but you'd mentioned, you know, no kidding, but what's fascinating to me is how many people don't know who. He is or Seth Godin. Like, I I remember when I went to an event with Seth, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, and Dave Ramsey, and I was telling my friends about it. They're like, Who are those people? (laughs) It's it's mind blowing to me that you'd be in business and not know who those are. But those are voices I definitely listen to. Um, Marcus Lemonis is a guy that I pay attention to from The Prophet. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that uh, show. No, I'm not. Um, so, the concept behind the show—it's on CNBC. He—he um, he is um, a successful CEO. Uh, started with the business camping world, and he walks into failing businesses and writes a check with his own money, and then helps them turn their business around. Okay. A super interesting show. I actually think you'd really like it. Um, there's some other—he's done—he's doing the uh, speaking tour now, um, and I think his uh, advice is pretty interesting and practical. Um, from my video side, I, I, I really enjoy paying attention to Casey Neistat. He's a guy who is in the video world really well known. He's got like I don't know, two million, five million subscribers on YouTube. He he created a daily vo- uh, vlog. Actually, just sold mm-hmm. a company for twenty five million dollars to CNN.
0: Um, By the way, I hate the term vlog. Just for the record, yeah, the, the term vlog just sends me into complete hypnosis. Okay, but please continue. <laughs>
1: And then I'm actually listening to a, um, a book by Grant Cardone. Um, now Grant Cardone is a guy that he's not for the faint of heart. Um, hmm. but he's, uh, kind of like a, a motivator sales guy. I mean, he's, he's a hustler and he's mm-hmm. one that he can turn you off. You know what I mean? Because he's so yeah. over the top, but I find that when I need a kick in the pants, like I need a little bit of motivation. Um, he, um he's one I like to listen to so he's got the 10x rule I'm listening to a book called be obsessed or be average right now it's I mean hardcore (laughs) so just know what you're getting into but interesting stuff with those guys
0: good stuff that was a good good question that was good we got time for one more yeah a quick one okay good this is a fun one and I just thought of this so um, I'm a big music guy you know that Um, music is is like water for me I just consume it constantly I know you're a fairly big music guy, not yep. probably on the level of, of me, and that's not a cut, that's just fact, but I want to know, what was the first concert you went to, the <laughs> very first concert you went to?
1: Gosh. I actually think it was Def Leppard.
0: Nice! Yeah,
1: Def Leppard, um, actually in Detroit, so believe it or not. So yeah. Do you remember
0: who, who was the opener?
1: I don't remember. I don't remember, yeah. I was pretty young, and, and it was one of those where I fell into tickets. And, um, you know, I was like, and it was actually like at, at a point where I liked Def Leppard earlier, yeah, and this was a later piece. Um, and I was, I, I, they were, they were very poppy at that point, and I was like, eh, okay, okay, it, it was, it was fine, it was a, okay. It was so, a good show.
0: quick follow up what was the best concert you've ever been to?
1: Um, oh man, uh. I love going to see, oh, okay, yeah, Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. Okay. Um, I actually, um, whether you enjoy his music or not, I believe he is at least one of the best entertainers of our generation.
0: He he is, um, and I I, I I like Garth Brooks. I don't like um, when I've seen him like his shows. I've never seen him live, but you know seen parts of a show. And he walks out on stage, and there's you know seventy thousand people, and he acts shocked that all these people showed up to see him. I could I could do without the false humility with him putting his hat over his heart and oh my god, y'all you, here to see me? I can't I can't believe it. When I know backstage he's counting the numbers, but that's okay. That's all. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I'll answer my first concert Kirby. Are you ready? I don't know. I don't know if the internet can handle this. My first concert not was not Van Halen. I, okay. as, as shocking as that might seem, okay. My first concert was none other than the Gambler himself, the coward of the county. <laughs> Kenny famous Rogers. Kenny Rogers, golden roasted chicken. Yes, Kenny Rogers was my first concert.
1: All right, all
0: right. How was that? Yeah, it, it, it was. It was. Look, I was probably. Ten? Yeah, okay. Uh went with my parents, it was for my birthday, but but the best part, do you know who the opener was? I, I don't. I bet you don't. Watermelon comedian watermelon smashing comedian <laughs> Gallagher, Gallagher What's the <laughs> opener? There is no better twin bill than Gallagher in the Gambler.
1: <laughs> yeah, it kinda looks like Kenny Rogers got some watermelon on his face right now.
0: You know, um, when you when you go a little deep in the plastic surgery, yeah, things can happen.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Favorite? Oh, that that's really hard for me. I've been to so many concerts. Um, I think probably, and this this will probably shock some people. Not Van Halen. Okay. Um, I've enjoyed every Van Halen concert I've ever been to, but I think the one I enjoyed the most was seeing Journey. In uh, 1983, okay, and but they're open, but the opener was Brian Adams, Ooh, wow. uh, and he was in on the Cuts Like a Knife tour, and that was just a stellar concert.
1: Yeah, that that uh, would be good for sure in their prime. Uh,
0: honorable honor, honorable mention would be anytime I've seen Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson always blows me away, and I just saw him on an acoustic piano tour about three weeks ago. Yeah, no, that's um, cool. Son, and if you're not familiar with Eric Johnson, he's Probably my favorite guitarist, period, of all time. Not Eddie Van Halen. Again, this seems like the anti-Van Halen podcast. Um, as <laughs> much as I love Van Halen, but Eric Johnson's—he's uh, a contemporary of Stevie Ray Vaughan's, but very different style from Austin. So, if you haven't uh, haven't heard of Eric Johnson, check him out. Good stuff.
1: Well, cool, man. That's—I uh, think we dug in a little bit today. That's—that's uh, that's pretty good. So. Um
0: I guess I that's that it. Up. Yeah, I think that wraps thing, it up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the weather's like in Coshocton, uh, here in uh, in uh, Franklin, Tennessee. It's a little rainy today, about 52. So there's no need for me to get out my base State ice scraper. But we're not far, from, and we'll get an ice storm or two here in Tennessee. And you better believe that my car, my wife's car, my neighbor's cars, they all have <laughs> ice scrapers in them. And they're not just any old ice scraper, Kirby. Yep. They're from Bay State, Bay I, State specialty company.
1: Yeah, for sure. I keep I keep envisioning you knocking on your neighbor's door and handing them Bay State ice scrapers. I think that's giving of you.
0: Yeah, you know, I find that kind of weird and offensive. So I, I actually just leave it on their door. I do a little ding-dong ditch, uh, <laughs> ring their doorbell, and then put a ice scraper on with the brand of eight logo in a little pretty bow right in front of their door. Um, and I hide behind the bushes and snicker like a four year old.
1: That's, that's awesome. Good stuff, man.
0: All right. Well, Hey, great talking to you as always. Hope everybody enjoyed this podcast. Please let us know if there's anything you'd like us to just, uh, uh, chat about next time we uh, do this. So thanks again, Kirby for the time. And we'll talk to you later. Talk to you soon. Once again, thank you for listening to unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. As always, brought to you by the good people at Promo Corners Identity Marketing, the interactive tool for promotional products professionals.